You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is of knives and night blooms. I am so warmed up for this, I can't even tell you. I've just spent two hours talking about Doctor Who on a video podcast um, to promote an upcoming book that I have been involved with as an editor, which is the... uh, the Doctor Who Reader. I want to know, hang on, I should actually tell you what the um, <laughs> the full title of the book is. Okay, so the podcast I was on, which hasn't come out yet, I'll tell you when it comes out, is Time Scales. And the book is Adventures in Time and Space, A Doctor Who Reader. It might be Adventures in Space and Time. Honestly, I do not have all of the words in my head. Uh, but yeah, so I've been talking about Doctor Who nonstop for the last two hours, which turns out I really like doing. Who knew? So, but I am here to record the uh, the second half of chapter seventeen. I promise I will be going to full chapters again very soon. The chapters are actually getting a little bit more civilized and shorter as I work towards the end of the book. Uh, I definitely am planning on ending the book fairly soon. I have a plan. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. It's, it's fun writing as a serial again without a net, though I have started going back and editing. Because it turns out I thought of Knives and Night Blooms. It was a novella. It's not a novella, people. It's already passed. Um, let me see. <laughs> okay, it's a shade of 50,000 words already, and I have not finished writing it. So, yeah, it's a novel. That's exciting. That's the second accidental novel I wrote this year because Time of the Cat, when I started writing it before the Kickstarter began, was also, I was thinking, maybe going to be a novella. And then it turned into a novel. So I am not finishing things effectively as I meant to. (laughs) But hey, two novels this year. All right. So of Knives and Night Blooms, Chapter 17... Past Parliament in Ruins, Part 2. Wings, said Dio suddenly, as the silken hair approached the creepy domes and spires of Parliament in Ruins. I hear wings. Icaros, checking Mardi's pulse for the fourteenth time that hour, could hear it too. A distant fluttering, the low whistle of wind against feathers. Arm yourselves, he warned. Dio crouched near him. Where exactly are we supposed to find a stash of weapons? Strip Valeria, Icaros said dryly. She's good for it. Try it and I'll gut you, his wife murmured through chapped lips. You're awake, said Icaros, pleased with this development. More or less, she murmured. Wings, you say. The crew were gathered around on deck, muttering to themselves. Over the silhouetted domes of Parliament in Ruins, other silhouettes appeared out of the cloudy night. Winged creatures circling. Death comes for us, said Valeria, letting her eyes fall closed again. Knew he'd be a gentleman about it. You always were the dramatic one, Icarus said. He dropped his knife to the deck and stood up, facing the circling birds. They're not ravens. 
Owls poured down from the sky upon them, screeching and flapping. Several crashed together, and a tall woman in white emerged from their collision of feathers. Two miracles in one night,' said Icarus, striding to greet their visitor. "'Aren't we lucky?' The knight of the bright owl ignored him and made straight for Valeria. "'What have you been up to, dark eyes?' she asked. Valeria huffed a soft laugh. "'Slightly poisoned. Don't mind me. My friend has an arrow in her ribs and a baby on the way.' "'It's not on the way right now,' said Icarus, worried. "'Is it?' The knight gave him a highly sarcastic look over one shoulder. "'I think I'm going to designate you to boil some water regardless,' she said, in a voice more sarcastic than him on a good day. "'Should keep you busy.' "'Where are we going?' Calix asked as the sky began to lighten. The black feather ship seemed less tangible as night ended, less real, a nightmare with a mast and rudder. The ravens and crows had all drifted away, taking to the air. She could still see them sometimes, swooping and calling to each other in the lighter sky above the mast. "'To meet a friend of mine,' said the bow. Calix turned away from him, stretching out a cramp in her leg from sitting too long on a hard wooden bench. "'I was expecting death,' she said. "'Yes,' said the bow. "'That's who I mean.' Death did not come for Mardi or Valeria in the night. The knight of the bright owl who went by Ulwyn to her friends, and apparently counted Valeria among those friends wonders would never cease, worked tirelessly for hours. She brewed ugly potions to flush out Valeria's system, drew the arrow from Mardi's side, and closed the wound with neat stitches, left them both groggy and healing in the cabin together, tucked side by side into the bed. "'How did you find us?' Icarus asked, as the knight sluiced blood from her hands on deck. "'Did the temple get my message?' Ulwyn gave him a bright, sidewise sort of smile. "'I owed Val a favour, she said. "'This is how that works. "'Doesn't your god send you where you're needed?' Icarus thought of that morning in the tea-house, a lifetime ago, his crossbow bolt trained on the petal of the Imperium ready to strike. Sometimes, he said. Mostly he leaves us to our own devices. There's your trouble then, said Ulwyn. She removed the blood-stained apron she wore over her white robes and shook it once. The blood vanished, leaving the apron spotless. She tucked it away in a satchel that hung over one shoulder. You chose the wrong god. Not much to say in response to that. How's the baby? Icarus asked, since he was fairly sure he hadn't missed Marty going into labour. He'd expected more screaming. Ulwyn looked amused. Who's asking? He rolled his eyes at her. The baby is exactly where she should be for six months, said Ulwyn, taking pity on him. But a wound like that is going to be hard work to mend, even with my intervention. She shouldn't be on her feet, let alone getting shot at. She's retiring, Icarus said firmly. The knight of the bright owl looked unimpressed. Not soon enough.
Something fell from above. Icarus reached out and caught it, a tiny sliver of shadow, as the sky brightened into day. A message, a warning. Oh, said Elwyn in an understanding tone, as Icarus turned the black feather over in his hand. My god does that too. Enraging, isn't it? Icarus sat on the end of the bed, watching the women wake up. Valeria stared at the ceiling for a moment, then met his gaze. How many did I kill? Only one. A few light maimings. Could have been worse. I'll have to do penance, she winced. Can't even say it was self-defence. Now you definitely started it. Who dosed you? That bitch, Lanyard. Figures. That was the bow's method. He wouldn't go straight for the kill. Oh no, he sowed chaos on his way. Setting traps for his victims here and there, knowing most of them might never be sprung. Easier to shoot someone when they were distracted. Are you well enough to work? Icarus urged. Valeria blinked. Her pupils were back to the normal size, at least, and no longer had that alarming, unnatural, bright green hue. She seemed calm. Well enough? What do you have in mind? He lifted the black feather that had fallen from the sky. We have an invitation. That ass. Why does he always have to play with his food? Might be the only way to get Calix back. And that's a necessary thing, is it? Ugh. Valeria bent double, grunting with pain. Yes, all right, she snapped, spitting out what looked like elderflowers, small, foul, gritty in the mouth. Work, then. Which of us is going to tell Mardi she can't come? Dio dozed off a little. He hadn't slept much through the night. Too worried that if Mardi or Valeria stopped breathing, Icarus was going to drown himself in the river. But it was daylight now, and they were heading in the right direction for Calix. He could feel that, the pulse of the bond thrumming in his veins. And Icarus looked a hell of a lot less haunted. Dio didn't want to disturb Valeria or Mardi, who currently had the bed in the cabin that the four of them had been sharing, with varying degrees of awkwardness, and to his great surprise, lack of awkwardness? He borrowed a blanket instead and curled up on the deck in an out-of-the-way spot near some crates. He was only going to sleep for a few minutes, enough to get him through what was promising to be a long day. When he opened his eyes again, it was dark, and the ground was covered in feathers, black feathers soft to the touch. His mysterious stranger, Aidan, sat nearby, arms around his knees, staring into the distance. Dio blinked at him, wondering in his sleepy haze if those long braids would be as soft as feathers if he touched them. You're not the bow, he said. Aidan looked at him, a quick dart of a look, then away again. I never said I was. Sorry, I assumed. You're one of them, though. Dio added, stroking the black feathers that carpeted the... No, they were not on the boat anymore. There was grey grass beneath the feathers, and broken walls rose up around them in curves and tattered crumbling stone. 
This was Parliament in Ruins. You serve the Black Raven. It's kind of obvious. Aidan sighed, looking pensive. He was ethereally pretty in the moonlight, or whatever kind of dream light it was, as there was no moon overhead. Dear Taurus, he said, what do you know about the thirteenth treasure? Dio shrugged, wrinkling his nose. Not much to know from my end of things. Royalty. They don't exactly mix with my sort. He had so many questions to ask, but somehow none of them rose to his tongue right now. His mouth felt like it was full of feathers, too. Can you keep a secret? asked Aidan. What kind of secret? Dio blurted immediately. I mean, yes, but only if it won't hurt Calix or my friends. Were they his friends? This strange bunch of killers he'd been tied to for days and days, by magical vines and stems and whatever else made up Calix's foreign magic. Eh, didn't help to fret about it. Dio was loyal regardless. He was just built that way. Do no harm, said Aidan, in a soft voice. He turned and crawled his way up Dio's body, as if he were a cat. Hands pressed on either side of Dio's hips, knees pinning his legs to the ground. Either Dio was about to be murdered or kissed. It was a dream, so he didn't have a lot of say either way. But he tipped back his head a little because kissing seemed like a much more appealing idea. Above them, he saw the domes of the long-abandoned halls of Parliament, hollow and skeletal, left to the wild animals. Starlings nested in the high windows, creeping, crawling creatures burrowed amongst the broken mosaic tile. The wind drifted through broken windows, abandoned doorways, making spooky sounds. Aidan's mouth tasted like salt and feathers. They kissed for a long time. Is that the secret? Dio asked when they broke apart. Aidan nuzzled at his jaw, finding the rough skin where Dio had failed to shave two days in a row. It will all make sense when you wake up, he promised. It did not, in fact, all make sense when Dio woke up. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutrawita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky or Threads at Tansy RR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week for Chapter 18.